0: What is happening here? Welcome to episode 221 of your favorite podcast, the Eye Podcast. I'm Justin Mahaley. Today, it is a solo rock and roll episode. I am going to chat with you guys about metabolism for performance. There's a lot of good information in here. Have your notepads ready. We are going to do a deep dive on how to optimize your performance, whether it be a contest preparation phase, whether it be a building phase, a mini cut, wherever you are, we're going to nail it in here today. So I'm extremely excited to chat with you guys. As always, Grow I podcast brought to you by Revive Supplements, brought to you by Raw Supplements. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support your boy. Please leave us a five-star rating and review. Share us with your friends if you love us. I'll see you inside. Alright you guys, we are about to kick off North American Weekend, which um, is a weekend that I have a super love-hate relationship with. Hate because the city of Pittsburgh is the absolute garbage can of America. Uh, No offense to anyone who lives there, or anyone who's from there. I know none of y'all like it anyways, but (laughs) I think Pittsburgh, in terms of cities I've been to, is definitely my least favorite that I've ever been to. Now, I say it's from a blessed place as well, because obviously I haven't been to that many fucking shitty cities. Uh, but, oh, man, I just, this smells weird. The water looks funky. The town's got a little funky, weird. It's it's very much so it's the steel city. You can uh, uh, pick up on that. I'm not sure if it's a positive or a negative. But if you are in Pittsburgh this week, you see me, you want to chat, you want to meet, anything like that, I would absolutely love to talk with you guys. I'll be there um, for Wednesday's competition. I got four guys going on Wednesday. Um, Then I'm heading back here Thursday. And come Thursday, I'm actually moving. Downtown, which I am extremely excited about. Uh, I bought my house up north, what about a little over two years ago. Uh, but man, it's 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 time to get back downtown. So I have a really exciting uh, thing happening down there and a uh, place that I'm getting into that I'm extremely excited to share with you guys. And we're ready to start this next journey, we're ready to start this next chapter. It's uh, it's going to be pretty fired up. So really excited for that. But before I hop on a plane and go to Pittsburgh. I want to chat with you guys about metabolism for performance. So I want to do another podcast on further components of metabolism, um, how it works, its integrations, its uh, feedback loops. Um, things of the like but today we're going to talk about the fueling for performance uh, strictly so um, obviously a focus around bodybuilding but this sort of applies to all athletics okay and when we start talking about metabolism for performance at the top of this list I mean carbohydrates are king in terms of of your performance output and power generation and things of the like Um, and Carbohydrates. Actually, the 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 the, the um, benefits of them. The process of uh, them becoming active within the body as glucose uh, starts as soon as they get in the mouth the digestive enzymes pick it up they start breaking it down breaking it down as it goes down the esophagus into the stomach um, it, it just gets broken down more and more into glucose and this is going to be an important note here glucose is a six carbon molecule so let's keep that in mind as this podcast unfolds um, so we can um, understand the the um, importance of the carbon formations and the manipulations as well. So glucose, just like anything else, goes to the stomach, gets broken down, um, and then it gets put into the bloodstream. Now, whenever anything's in the bloodstream, it is going to go to where it is needed the absolute most right away. If there's nowhere for it to go, one of two things is going to happen. One, it's going to be excreted as waste. Or two, it's going to be transferred into fatty acid or fat tissue tissue and storage triglyceride. Um, So your nutrient partitioning capabilities determine a lot of this. So if you're a person who's like pretty overweight and you're eating a bolus of carbohydrates, well, your muscle stores are probably rather uh, filled up. Your liver is likely rather filled up. Um, so where else do we really have to go and 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 if you're super overweight like we probably have enough circulating that we don't need to to um you know utilize everything that's in the blood so like for energy um so where's it going to go it's going to be slanted towards adipose tissue and the process this this process is called de novo lipogenesis that's when carbohydrates convert to fat um, and it's definitely a, a metabolically inefficient route to take. Uh, but essentially what happens is the glucose will circulate like around your body. All right. I have nowhere to go. I can't go in the liver. It's full. I can't go in the muscle. It's full. And I'm not being used right now as available energy. So the glucose is going to be broken down into into little fragments, if you will. And it goes around, denied from everywhere. So the body doesn't need more energy and these fragments are going to be reassembled back into fatty acid chains they're not going to reassemble into glucose so the fragments have two options they want to get excreted usually in urine or sweat but mostly urine or they get turned into fatty acid chains now if you're someone with great nutrient partitioning Uh, Which would come alongside good insulin sensitivity, which means that you probably have a good body composition. You might be more prone to storing these carbohydrates somewhere. Because if you're in a good body composition, that means that you have storage available. Your carbohydrate stores in your liver and your muscle aren't just overflowing or else if they were, everything you ingested would essentially be slanted or biased Uh, in terms of fat and and carbohydrates. We'll talk about protein a little bit, Would essentially be biased towards fat. So if you're in a good body composition, you're probably, you have some sort of depletion in some sort of stores, either liver or muscle, uh, that these carbohydrates can go to and kind of find a home in. Okay. So let's talk about fats real quick, and we'll come back to carbohydrates. Um, we'll talk about fats and proteins, super fats, so we understand how these all work. When fats are digested, they're turned into free fatty acids into the stomach. The fatty acid gets released into the bloodstream, and there they have two routes to go. One, intramuscular triglycerides, um, which inside of our muscles, we have pockets where fat is to be stored. Um and in peak week, this is an extremely important um, uh, item to notate because commonly, if you're super peeled, your intramuscular fat stores aren't going to be very full, right? You're just not going to have a lot of fat anywhere stored anywhere on your body, right? So utilizing fats to your advantage in a peaking scenario is can be extremely beneficial for well, two main reasons here, really three main reasons. Um, one, the, the, uh, set, the satiety that you're going to get from the fats being introduced. In a peak week, when food goes up, usually we see hunger uh, go up quite a bit as well. Um, and the fats are just going to slow the release of everything from the stomach into the bloodstream, make it a more trickle approach rather than a fast hitting approach where it spikes your blood glucose and then brings it back down, which is likely going to induce even more hunger. Um, And if we can keep our hunger more controlled, our cortisol is definitely going to be more controlled as well. And if our cortisol is more controlled, everything's easier to manipulate throughout the process of peaking for the stage. Okay. Uh, Number two, obviously, the intramuscular triglycerides when your nutrient partitioning, like I just started with, stated with the carbohydrates, when your nutrient partitioning, when your body composition promotes it, then you are going to send a lot of nutrients to the muscle. Your muscles are going to be biased in terms of nutrient intake um, just because you're training them so hard. You're extremely depleted. They need to recover and repair. It's your body trying to protect itself is to get nutrients into that muscle because you keep damaging them when you don't have enough to really repair or rebuild them, right? And this doesn't really matter how high your protein intake is, as obviously amino acids convert to muscle um, just because the fact that carbohydrates and fats have a very strong effect on recovery, performance, muscle building, all this stuff. Well, fat's not so much on muscle building, but recovering performance, they absolutely do. Glycogen is a much greater response on muscle building. Um, So if you're not in a very positive body competition, we have excess fatty acids going into the bloodstream. Well, they're going to be very safely and securely stored as adipose tissue, right? So... Oftentimes, you know, we'll see someone come to us with, you know, too high of body fat on them and they talk about like hormonal dysfunction and things like, but, you know, they're slam a females like slamming like 75 grams of fat a day and whatnot, because, you know, we've been told and I've taught this many times because it, it does work. You know, fats correlate to cholesterol, which correlates to hormone production. This is true. However, Positive body composition correlates to hormone optimization and health as well. And these two things need to be used in conjunction. So if we're already fat and now we're adding fat on top of it, that's like trying to put out a fire with, you know, gas. You're just adding more and more and more to it, and you're like, why am I stuck? Like, why is this not working? Like, how's come I have excess body fat and I have a and my lipid skewing is off. But like, yeah, I mean, we're, 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 we're not taking the right approach here. We need to actually pull down the fats, allow your body to use some of the fat that it has stored and therefore turn that into cholesterol and you know hormone as well, get into a more positive body composition state, and then when we're in a more positive body composition state, we'll pull labs, you'll see that your lipids are far better, you'll see that your hormones are far better, and you were on significantly less fat than you were on before. If someone has excess body fat, how little fat can we get away with for them to, one, be you know mentally sane with the diet, and two, maintain some sort of health as we are dropping down and like we can't just take them to zero fat because they have excess body fat on them. Right. But I think, you know, um, somewhere around probably the 35, 30 gram mark, if they're training, you know, pretty hard is probably a pretty acceptable place to be if they have a good bit of excess body fat on them, because all we're doing is feeding that fat with the more fat that we put in. Right. So we need to figure out how do we take more than what we are giving while still promoting some sort of healthy hormonal turnover. Now, that being said, not all fats created equally. Macadamia nut oil is gonna be vastly different from um, milk chocolate or something of the like, right? And an avocado is gonna be different from an almond butter. Um, and uh, grass-fed or uh, you know, more uh, holistically raised uh, types of meats, are going to be better than farm-raised meats, right? Um, ver- m- rule of thumb, right? It kind of depends where you get it from. Omega-3 enriched age or cage-free eggs are probably going to be better than, you know, the 99 cent for a dozen pasteurized eggs. I don't even know if that's what they cost anymore. My rule of thumb with eggs, honestly, buy the most expensive ones. Um, or go to a farmer's market and get those because those are going to be the best ones. Uh, so now onto Protein. After protein is digested in the stomach, converts to amino acids, amino acids can be stored as triglyceride, which is fat, but most of the time, it's going to be excreted as waste. All right, so at excess amino acids, if your protein intake is too high, you actually can store that as fat. If your protein intake is too high and you're in a ketogenic diet, your protein is too high and you're in an extremely depleted uh, body fat state, you are... Likely to store some of that as body fat. You really are. Your body's goal is to survive and thrive, it's not to be peeled inside out. Your body's goal is also to utilize nutrients in balance and harmony. It's not to just completely cut out one form of nutrient uh, of, of nutrition intake like from a carbohydrate for like a ketogenic diet. This is something I've seen very often. People come to me on a keto diet and they're like, Why can't I lose fat? Like what happened? Like I, I, I lost fifteen pounds, but you know, my, my body fat's the same if not worse, and like, yeah, you just depleted the shit out of yourself. Like you don't look good. And, you know, we have to reverse them out of that. Your body adapts everything. There's no cheat code to it. So anytime you go to an extreme, it's going to backfire at some point. So if you're eating too high a protein intake... And you don't have carbohydrates, which carbohydrates are anabolic in nature uh, because they they, they help preserve and protect nitrogen within the muscle, which is extremely important. Uh, Protein obviously promotes nitrogen levels within the muscle, uh, which, again, is extremely important. But too much of really anything is never a good thing, even when it comes to protein, okay? So they can be converted to glucose as well through gluconeogenesis, but similar to the uh, de novo lipogenesis, it's just not very metabolically efficient. So it's not going to happen at a huge clip Um, and a small amount of amino acids, obviously, you know, be stored in the muscle, um, but they can be stored in the in, in the muscle cell as well, but not utilized for muscle. They can be utilized for, um, for hormones. They can be utilized for neurotransmitters, antibodies, immune cells. Your immune system can pull in some protein and, and help create um, immunity strength from it. Um, so not all amino acids stored in the muscle, inside of your muscle are going to be turned into muscle. Some of them have extremely um, strong health benefits to keeping you running at your best as well. So now when we get into the fuel selection for training, obviously a carbohydrate, um, I mean, that's going to be used first and foremost. It's going to be metabolized the easiest through uh, glycolysis, um, which is really just, it's a splitting of six carbon molecules into two, three carbon molecules. I referenced this earlier when it splits into fragments and whatnot. Um, and and the, the, uh, so it splits the, the glycogen from six into two threes and those two threes, they're called pyruvate. If, if, if you've taken um, any nutrition courses before, physiology courses, you've likely heard of pyruvate. Um, and with when it gets this pyruvate, um, two or three molecules of ATP are going to be produced. ATP is adenosine triphosphate. This is your main source of fuel for muscular contractions. Now, when there is a, significant, a sufficient amount of oxygen within the muscle tissue, the pyruvate molecules will be transported into the mitochondria. Once the carbohydrate is fully metabolized, it'll go through a, a catabolism process where it's, like I said, broken down into carbon molecules. And with each conversion here, one carbon molecule gets lost. So it turns to the pyruvate and then it turns into acetyl COA. And one carbon molecule is lost to each of these. The additional carbons that are lost bind to oxygen. This is pretty cool. And they make carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is energy breathed out. And then the environment takes carbon dioxide in, turns it back into carbon monoxide. The environment, the trees, the, anything green takes one of those carbons and it leaves you with one. And then you breathe that carbon monoxide back in. Pretty cool, huh? Maybe it's just me that thinks it's sick. But I just think it's super cool how in harmony we work with everything around us. So nature, green things, trees, shrubs, you know, whatever, forestry areas, they play a role in your performance in the gym. And I think that's pretty sick. This entire process is called the Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle produces high energy metabolites which are the atp and when atp goes into the muscle it gives off one of its phosphate bonds turns into adp adenosine diphosphate the muscle contracts using the phosphate bond and when we supplement with creatine monohydrate we're putting more phosphate into the body so those adp those ATPs that just turned into ADP after giving up one of their phosphates, find this the, the, the phosphate from the creatine. The creatine monohydrate is turned into phosphates. The phosphates attach to the ADP, make it ATP again, and the ATP can get used again for another muscular contraction. So when you supplement with creatine monohydrate, obviously I use Rawls creatine monohydrate because it's creapure, which is the most bioavailable form that we can utilize. You are literally allowing yourself to use to have more energy for muscular contractions right away. Just by simply ingesting creatine monohydrate. That's pretty fucking cool, huh? Carbohydrates can be used for both anaerobic and aerobic activity because they start anaerobically, they finish aerobically to be fully metabolized, um, and more ATP can actually be generated aerobically compared to anaerobically, but it's at a much slower clip, okay? So usually after like 7 to 10 seconds of like all out, like if you're doing a, a, a hit on a spin bike, you do 10 seconds all out, You're going to use up a majority of that ATP and it's going to take in a minute to kind of recoup and come back to life. You use it much faster than you regenerate it, even with creatine consumption. But obviously creatine consumption is important because if we don't have enough phosphates going around the body, then we're only going to get one utilization out of that ATP bond. And then the ADP, you'll just go around and, well, it doesn't have a use. So like anything else, it just gets excreted in your urine, right? So we might as well hit it twice rather than once by just simply supplementing with creatine. So it kind of blows my mind that there's people that don't um, supplement with creatine because there's so many cognitive uh, benefits to it as well. So many. Um, protein during training, they're oxidative. So there's no anaerobic metabolism that actually occurs uh, with 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 uh, the protein. Now, that being said, you know amino acids they do have two carbons, so they can be processed uh, similar to the acetyl CoA, which was the end result of the pyruvate giving up, um, you know, its final carbon bond, um, and it can run through the Krebs cycle as well. But again, it's just it's just not extremely metabolically efficient for this to happen. Um, and it, it, one thing to know, I, I talked about it being oxidative, a fuel source has to be oxidative and have the ability to be taken into the, to have the ability to be taken into the mitochondria to use as fuel, right? So as long as it meets that requirement, which protein does. And realistically, yeah, it can be used for performance, but like, I don't want to sit over here and, oh, you know, let's, uh, a, let's cut intro workout carbs and let's put in 60 grams of EAAs, um, and hope that they get into the mitochondria and get uses feel like it's not, it's not going to happen like that, it's just very metabolically inefficient just because it can happen. Doesn't mean it will happen. Now, when this does start happening, we are in an extremely catabolic state and this can happen in a prep setting. if, food isn't managed correctly and nutrient intake isn't managed correctly and rest isn't managed correctly. Cortisol shoots too high. We are too depleted. We will absolutely start using amino acids to fuel the Krebs cycle. Where are amino acids pulled from? Your muscle. What's more important, holding on amino acids used for neurotransmitters and immunity or holding on amino acids to keep your big muscles big? Definitely the immune system and the neurotransmitters. So where is that protein going to come from? It's going to be extremely catabolic. It's coming from the muscle tissue. Now you're breaking down more tissue than you're able to synthesize back up because you're in too much of a nutrition deficit. And all you know, all that really means is well, you missed a feeding period or you missed a stress mitigation period. So it's like if you're behind in a prep, you know this is going to have to happen a little bit. All right, we can do a lot to uh, mitigate it as much as possible, a you know, growth hormone usage will help out there. Obviously, you know, anabolics will help out there. Um, specifically, I feel like a testosterone and usually a DHT do a really good job there. Obviously, a trend balloon is going to do a really good job there. Its anti-glucocorticoid effect is going to be extremely strong, and it's going to really shine when we're in an extremely catabolic state because it'll kind of pull you out and keep you out of that state. Um but just something to, to keep in mind there that if we are too far gone, you will start pulling protein from the muscle you have built to utilize for energy. And man, it's way too hard to build muscle to be able to sacrifice that. Let's talk about how fats use fuel. So in order to use fat for fuel, the intramuscular triglycerides have to be separated into different categories. This is gonna be glycerol and fatty acid chains. It's gonna be 12 to 20 carbon atoms depending uh on which it is where it's stored at uh but glycerols have to be shipped into the tissue in the mitochondria and glycerols run and form just like the pyruvate did okay so when we get glycerols into the mitochondria at this point they're basically acting like a long chain uh um, uh, glucose model did okay There's three carbon molecules in the glycerol. So the fatty acids had to be transported there through carnitine. You guys have all heard of carnitine. Um, There's injectable carnitine. There's acetyl-L carnitine. I like using acetyl-L carnitine. You just have to dosage it based off of its bioavailability, which is about 40%. Um, And so this is the rate-limiting step to using fat for fuel because for for, for the fatty acids— two carbons have to be cut off at the same time within the mitochondria and this is this is known as beta oxidation. this is rather metabolically inefficient it's not something that happens at a super high clip uh, the same way as like just turning pyruvate into acetyl COA but this definitely happens at a good chunk of percentage of your energy utilization um, throughout your training session this is something that keto people, keto believers really think happens at a much higher clip than it does just because they're eating, you know, high fat and high protein. They think that beta oxidation becomes their main source for fuel and it becomes the main source of fuel because there's nothing else they can possibly take. But this doesn't mean that that's your body just switching and being like, Oh yeah, you know what? I actually prefer this over just using glycogen. No, like you're straining your body so ridiculously hard for this to happen. That's why every single time, 100% of the time on the other end of a keto diet, there's issues that arise from it, right? We're trying to switch our body's energy systems after millions and millions of years of evolution to this magnificent vessel that it is now. We're going to act like we can switch it with a fucking one-year keto diet. I think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But zealots love whatever the fuck it is that they're trumping for and believing in. So anyways, once two carbons have been cut off, it can be uh, processed similar to the acetyl CoA. It'll produce ATP. So the fatty acids undergo beta oxidation, produce ATP, and now we cut off another two carbon molecules and 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 those two can also be turned into ATP once they find another phosphate. And so with each fatty acid chain we get more far more energy out of it than we get from glycogen or glucose or protein. Um, but fat for fuel is just, again, it's much less metabolically efficient. Your body thinks fats are much more important for survival because of how much more energy they hold. And we have unlimited adipocytes. Uh, Adipocytes can just be created. And that's where fatty acids go to be stored and turned into adipose tissue. Adipocytes can just be created. There doesn't need to be a demand for them. They can be created at an instant. So carbs versus fat for fuel. Carbohydrate is—I wouldn't say it's—it's it's better than fat, but fat's not better than carbohydrates. They both have pros and cons. And you know, if, if you're training really hard and like you're, you know, hit sprinting, um, um, tr- heavy weights, carbohydrates are going to be the best. But there's obviously a limited supply. With fats, there's way more supply, but the burn is much slower and less efficient. So maybe you're um, running a marathon versus you know an all-out sprint, right? And one of those is obviously much, a much more similar body type to bodybuilding than the other, which means carbohydrates are going to be better for the goal of bodybuilding, but that does not mean carbohydrates are just better than, than fat for performance in a blanket statement. Um, There's a small amount of intramuscular triglycerides in an exercising muscle that is pumping into that mitochondria, and this will actually help us really get a nice, when you have a pump that really fucking hurts, we have intramuscular triglycerides, we have glycogen, we have, you know, blood volumization, all happening at an extremely high clip in there. Like if you have a pump that kind of like comes and fades, that's usually going to be, oh, uh, you know, we probably don't have much intramuscular triglyceride in there. It's probably kind of running off glucose. Uh, it goes very fast. It fades away. But you definitely get a pump during your set. Um the, again, the carbohydrates going to come mostly from the muscle glycogen. Um, once the glycogen starts running low, glucose can be pulled from the blood, which obviously pulls on your sy- systemic blood glucose levels, which is why you have to be very careful when utilizing things like insulin or in an extremely intense dieting phase um, because you don't want your glucose to go too low. Okay, um, There's an unlimited amount of fat. Because we can store an unlimited amount of fat. There's an unlimited amount of lipolysis that can occur. So our body can just keep breaking down fat time after time, after time, after time. Um, obviously until we are extremely lean and there's nowhere left to really go, but I mean, very few people ever really get that peeled. The body is remarkably metabolically efficient. It's made it millions of years, evolutioning into exactly what we are right now, which is a very refined, very, uh, perfectly imperfect product. So you can't really, you can't, you can't trick it too much. There's only so much you can do to offset what's going to come. So you be strategic with your dieting, be strategic with your stress mitigation, be strategic with your D loads, be strategic with your PEDs. And if you really understand what this podcast brought, not just from the education, but the, 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 um, uh, actual application of these things, and you're able to take this, apply it to your athletes or to yourself, then you're going to realize you're running at a much greater energy utilization while you get tighter in a prep. Or if you're not an active bodybuilder, you can use this information to really slant your performance heavily, um, especially because most people vastly downplay the importance of fat within their training. So for episode 221, I'll see you next time. Looking forward to chatting again soon.